Thursday afternoon from Tony G Studios. I'm the host, Tony G, welcoming you in to the Tony G Show. The partner in crime today, Will McCormick, is out. He is headed home to see his family over the weekend. He got a couple things with his classes canceled and, and moved to this date or that date, whatever. He had the stars aligned for him to head home early on a Thursday on a weekend, spend some time with the family, so good for him. We'll miss him. He'll be back on Tuesday. And nonetheless, we continue. We will push on through here on the Tony G Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony G for days. Follow the homie Will McCormick at Willis5312 on Twitter to stay connected with us and the show in general. Also, Tony G Show, we got to let you know, drops every Tuesday, Thursday. This is episode four. I mean, we're getting in a rhythm now. We're, we're really starting to fire on all cylinders, Will and I am, and we're delivering shows. We're dropping episodes like crazy. Subscribe to the podcast here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Set up notifications so you can get notified whenever a new episode drops. Um, although it should be relatively the same every time we drop an episode Tuesdays, Thursdays, evenings. Evening time is usually when it drops on our podcast platforms. Also, the Tony G Show affiliated with SNC Radio. SNC Radio is available on sncradio.com or search up and favorite SNC Radio on the Radio FX app. All right, let's get into it. No Will McCormick today, just Tony G. Tony G Nation and Tony G. Just like the good old days, just like it used to be when the Tony G Show first started. Let's get into it. Good show today. I'm going to be talking a little bit about the coronavirus and how it's taken out college football. It's tough to see because college football is one of... I think everybody's favorite pastimes. I mean, it, whether you like professional football or not, or whether you like baseball or bat, everyone seems to come together for college football and the college football season. No matter who, everyone seems to have a fandom of a certain team or a certain conference. And it's it's a shame to see the coronavirus doing to college football what it is doing to pretty much every sport. But I think on a worse level to college football than it is to professional sports and then after that we're going to be talking about running backs I'm going to do a little bit of a running back spotlight on Monday I did a quarterback spotlight on Philip Rivers segment number two of the Tony G show today is going to see a little bit of a general running back discussion that was ignited through some arguments I was seeing on Twitter of Derrick Henry we're going to talk about him Derrick Henry his running style his MO in the Tennessee Titan offense and then we're going to relate it to other running backs around the league. We're going to look at a certain running back who was just released where his future could lie. And we're going to be talking all sorts of running back things. And Oh yeah, that's right. Thursday. That means another edition of the Tony G Picks of the Week. I have it all planned out, got the picks ready, and I think they're all going to be winners. It's a good episode we got planned for you. Stick around. The Tony G Show coming your way. Okay, Tony G Show, episode four of season five, set to get underway. The coronavirus, we're going to start here. This is a topic that I think we've all heard a lot about, especially in the sporting world. And Tony G Show, it's only right that we take some time to cover it, especially with with what's going on uh, in the sports world. And particularly today, we're going to talk about the college football realm of the coronavirus. Just yesterday, before we started recording this episode, Thursday, October 15th, on Wednesday, October 14th, it came out that Alabama head coach Nick Saban 
has officially tested positive for the coronavirus. And as of now, the recording of this show, he still is showing no symptoms. As, as confusing as the coronavirus can be, it's officially hit the college football world in, in its entirety, and especially starting with some big names like Nick Saban. So what I'm going to be talking about today is a segment and an idea that I think is very unfavorable to a lot of people around the sports world. Look at how coronavirus is having its way with college football. And it just goes to show you that I think they should not have had a season. Hold on. Don't jump off the bandwagon here just yet. Don't stop listening to the Tony G Show. It's I get it. It's unpopular. But sit back here and, and think of this from an unbiased standpoint. You mean to tell me that you really think that this was going to work out to a point where there was going to be it, it was going to be contained. You think that this could really have been contained in the college football world. Colleges alone, without sports, are struggling to contain the coronavirus. It's a college atmosphere. You got classes, you got post-classes, you got dorm rooms, you got parties as well. I mean, you can try to limit it and contain it and set time limits on certain things like a curfew. You can require masks and still the coronavirus is going to penetrate the school in some sort of way, especially bigger schools like the, like the schools that we're talking about right now in the college football world. Alabama, huge school. Some other schools we're going to be talking about, LSU, Florida, huge schools. You can't contain it even in the classroom, even, even with the student body, apart from the athlete, you can't contain it. And you really think that it's going to work out to a point where you can contain it on the football field? You think you can contain it between the sidelines? Two teams from two... Even if you're going to hold it to in-conference matchups, like the Big Ten is going to continue here later on this year, and they're only going to play in-conference games. Well, really, is that going to help anything? That's indifferent to me, whether it's in-conference or not. You can go to Florida, and it's it's causing a ruckus down there. You can go to Seattle, and it's causing... I mean, it's all over the place. I get what you're trying to do by having it in conference, but to what extent does that even work? The coronavirus is having its way with college football in a manner that we aren't seeing in the NFL or the MLB or the NBA. I mean, we kind of saw it in the... MLB, you know, there was a, a towards the start of the season where the Marlins were had to miss a couple games. The, Car- the Cardinals did as well, and now we're starting to see it a little more in the NFL. It's almost like which team is it going to be this week? You know, last week it was the Titans, and and this week it's it's the Falcons that came out that the Falcons are have a couple positive tests. I mean, it's only common sense that it's going to be on a larger, bigger scale in a college atmosphere where you where you. You know, the professionals, they go from practice to their homes with their families, and then they go, you know, they don't interact socially to an extent that a college student does, especially a college athlete. I mean, we should have saw this coming. I don't get how you can sit here from an unbiased standpoint. Listen, I'm a college football fan too. I'm a college sporting fan as well as a professional sporting fan, and I can sit back here and tell you that college football should not have had a season. I hate to say it. I hate the coronavirus and what it's done 
to not just the sporting world, but the world itself. But you can't do anything about it. You just have to adjust to life. And the college football world should not have seen a season this year. And even further than the coronavirus, let me argue to you that beyond that, what about the competition level? Teams playing in conference only, and, and what's going to happen when we get the bowl season? What happens when we when we get to bowl season and the Big Ten has only played eight games? I mean, it's not the same thing. We're just trying to fit football in any way we can. We're just trying to to fit it in where we shouldn't do it right now. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a weird, wacky lifestyle that we all live right now, and we should not be trying to fit college sports into it. I hate to say it, I love college sports. It's the level that I'm at right now. I don't play sports, but I call them and I announce them. I interact with the athletes and coaches. I get it. I get it. But I have to take my hat off for a second here. I have to take the announcer aspect away from it and unbiasedly look at college sports. They should not be going on right now. And now let's look at this through a little bit different of a perspective. If Division One can hold their sports, why can't Division Two and Division Three? The equality and how this is being handled is not the same. And I get the the conferences are kind of making the choices here, but it it seems like Division Three sports are canceling their sports, saying we're not going to continue until January first, until the turn of the year. So why can't Division One do the same thing? I get they bring in more money. I get it's more of a business aspect at the Division One level. You got scholarships to pay off, but at all levels you have eligibility to worry about. You have coaches to pay. You have money to bring in for the colleges. It matters on all levels. So why is it being handled? I don't know. I just don't see a, a valuable argument to fit in a college football season right now. It shouldn't have happened. It should not have happened. Let's take a look here at the college football world, the Division One level, and some of the teams that have been hit hard. Of course, I already told you Nick Saban tested positive over the week. That just added to the totals in college football. It ran through LSU and Ed Ogeron. There was a bunch of cases there before the season ever got underway. It ran through Georgia Southern, Austin P. even those small schools got it. And like I said, now Alabama, as well as Florida, who just shut down facilities yesterday and postponed their upcoming game with LSU. Those are just a couple college names among many others. Is it necessary? Is what we're doing right now, fitting this college football season in, necessary? Do we absolutely need it right now? Or could we have taken this year off, allowed for eligibility for players who have missed, which the NCAA is doing, allowing that extra year of eligibility, you don't have to worry about it, is what we're doing right now very necessary. Fitting in college football in a time frame where nothing is certain, nothing is given, everything is fluid. Heck, I mean, for the athletes, the student athletes, it's hard enough to focus on their grades with everything being how it is with the coronavirus, online or hybrid classes, all in person. It's hard enough to be a student at the college level with this coronavirus going on, now you're just going to tack on practice and you're going to tack on uh, sports and games. And Why? Why? 
We couldn't have taken this year off collectively as a society, as a whole. Said, okay, this year, it's going to hurt everyone. That's not what I'm arguing. It's going to hurt everyone, even the fans. The, it's From a money aspect, economic aspect, for the college, for the fans, for the students, I get it. I get it. But you cannot tell me that we should be sacrificing these student athletes for the entertainment. They're getting sick. They're getting hurt. They're missing time. The coaches are getting sick. What's going on here? Just so we can watch a little bit of college football. And this example kind of encapsulates what I'm about to give. This example I'm about to give kind of really, it's the perfect fit for my argument. At the start of the year, Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley stated how he and his university aren't going to release the information on which specific players or member of the football team tested positive if it were to happen. You know why? He cited a, quote, competitive advantage, close quote. A competitive advantage. What are we worried about a competitive advantage for? The coronavirus is sweeping the world. It's paused the world. And we're sitting here worried about a competitive advantage. <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. Where are our priorities at as a society? I mean, this is what we're worried about. Competitive advantages. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how I can give this argument in a manner in which you have to take in this argument from an unbiased standpoint. You have to put away your love for college football. That's what I'm doing to give this argument. I love college sports. And you think I want to sit here and make this argument? You think I want to sit here and take this standpoint? No, I have to. I have to. And I think you have to as well. I mean, the college atmosphere is dealing with coronavirus at a level in which it can't be contained at all. Colleges are getting hit big time because of the college atmosphere, the dorm rooms, the, the cafeterias, the classrooms. And you mean to tell me that it's going to be handled better on a football field? No, it's going to be the same thing. The same thing. And now the Big Ten says they're going to play. They're going to reverse a ruling. Why? Why do that? You're going to get hit just as hard. It's tough. I get it. But sit back and look at this argument from an unbiased standpoint and tell me different. You can't. You can't do it. And let me further this, this let me further this argument by saying the alternative of putting sports off, fall sports off into the, into the spring season, I'm not arguing for that. Fall sports this year should have lost a season like the spring so spring sports did earlier in the year. They should not have been pushed back because now you're just screwing the spring sports out of their time, out of their economic ability to uphold their responsibility to the college. Doing the same for the winter sports, you're going to combine fall, winter, and spring into five months from January to February. That's an even worse idea. That's an even worse idea. Spring sports need their time to come back. So you can't have 
You shouldn't have fall sports. You shouldn't have college football in May. You shouldn't have college football in February. It, it, they should have just lost the season. And winter sports, you should have an abbreviated season. Pick up January, boom, now we're off. Now we're going to finish on time so that spring sports can still bask in their, in their attention spotlight when they lost it last year. We lost the first half of our season and the second half of our season in some sports. It's only fair that spring sports get their time now. They, there should not be college football in March. It shouldn't happen. I'm sorry. It shouldn't happen. So, the only logical thing to do here was to cancel the season and we didn't do it. I get it, all right? I understand the economic value of college sports. I understand the entertainment value of college sports. But logically, logically, think through this in a scholarly manner here. This should not have happened. Coronavirus cases are spiking in the U.S., and I wonder why. And I wonder why. Just to, it, Let's move this conversation to wrap it up in this direction. I want to compare it to other sports. MLB, as I, as, I, as I mentioned, got hit hard. NFL, I also mentioned, has been getting a little bit. It was off to a good start the first couple weeks, and then we saw a couple positive tests in this organization, and then a couple positive tests in that organization, and now it's kind of it's spreading, not through football. Independent members of independent teams are catching it from outside sources, not on the football field. The NFL has done a phenomenal job stopping the spread on the field. Hitting coaches hard for fines. Hitting players hard with fines for not wearing their masks, not following protocols that have been set in place to defend the coronavirus. The NFL has done a phenomenal job on field. Major League Baseball, in the same extent, has done the same thing. On the field, the containment has been next to perfect. On the field. It's been the outside activities that has caused, caused the coronavirus to spread. The Cardinals were out going to clubs in the breaking protocol and, and catching it there, not taking it seriously. And as a result, the Cardinals had to fit 10 games into five days. Throughout the regular season in Major League Baseball, Indians pitchers Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak were reprimanded for breaking their protocols. It was taken seriously on field. It's been the outside sources that have, been, that have caused this to spread. And I don't know where the sources are coming from on the field. I, I would have to say it's the same thing in college football. That the on-field containment is being handled well. It's, it's just a matter of it's a different aspect in college. As I said, the college atmosphere brings in a whole new element to the coronavirus and, and the protection against it and the protocols set in place. I mean... You send one of the players back to live in their living arrangements with six, eight, nine other players that they that they see on a regular basis, aside from team activities. And then you send them into a classroom with 20, 30, 50, 100 other students, and you tell me to, that, that we can fit in the season without having it spread. Listen, 
I'm going to wrap this up by, again, reiterating that I didn't want this to happen. I don't want to make this argument. I don't want to have this perspective or this standpoint in this argument. I don't want to argue that there shouldn't have been a college football season. I don't want that. I love it just as much as you do. I've been stripped of something, too, from the coronavirus, taking away fall sports. And I don't want to play victim here. The athletes are the victim. They've been stripped of a season at this Division three level or some Division two levels, even some Division one levels smaller. And now at the big D1 levels, college football, the big Alabamas and LSUs, now players are being put at risk of the coronavirus. They go home and they put other students at risk. What if they went home home? Then they put their family at risk. The coach, coaches, coaching staffs, trainers, they go home and they put their families at risk. What about the trainers who are the trainers for the college? They put other students at risk, other athletes at, at risk. Step back with me in this logical idea that there should not have been a college football season. Like I said, I, I didn't want to make this argument. I didn't want it to come to this. But it's just, it, it, you, you couldn't have told me at the start of the season that there's absolutely not going to be any transmission of the coronavirus. Throughout the season. it That was illogical to think. And Big Ten did it right, I think, by saying we're not going to have a season. They did it right by saying we're, we're going to hold off. I mean, we don't want to do this. We're going to lose money doing this. Athletes are going to be affected by it as well. I, They did the right thing. And then they came out and said, you know, after the first week, two weeks of how well it was going at first for the college football world the NCAA in college football, they said, okay, they're doing it pretty good. We're going to have a college football season. Then the next week, teams get hit. More teams get hit. Coaches get hit. Players get hit. Nick Saban has just been confirmed to have the coronavirus. What if he spreads that to his coaching staff? What if they spread it to the players? Alabama just missed two weeks. That's what happened. Is it necessary? Are we really trying to do this right now? I get it. Like I said, I don't want to make this argument, but but here we are nonetheless. So I'm going to move on past that subject. Let me know what you think at Tony G for days on Twitter at Willis5312. Uh, the buddy Will McCormick out today. He will be back on Tuesday. So we're going to move on down the line here. Keep it rolling on the Tony G show. We're going to switch to the NFL and do a little bit of a running back spotlight. One particular running back that I'd like to talk about, but then we're going to spread it out to a deeper extent, a more whole running back discussion. We're going to be discussing a couple running backs. So I say it's a running back spotlight on one running back that I'm going to start out talking with, and then there's going to be I'm going to branch it off into some other ones. So if I seem like I'm branching away from the one running back that I'm that I'm leading off with, that's by design. Derrick Henry, running back for the Titans. He catches more flack for being one of the best running backs in the NFL than I think I've ever seen. He gets ripped on Twitter. He gets ripped by fans. He gets ripped by opposing opposing players. For what? Not being a hard runner is what I've heard. Let's stop this perspective. Okay, it's not his MO. He's not. He, he's not like a like a Tyreek Hill. 
who is as fast as it gets. He's not a pass catcher like a Le'Veon Bell was or like a James Conner is, like a Christian McCaffrey is used for. He's not, it's not his M.O. to be like that. But I tell you what he is, hard-nosed. Does he need to do a full sprint every time he gets a carry to be a good runner in your eyes? No. No. Derrick Henry on Tuesday put Josh Norman into the floor. Did you see that stiff arm Derrick Henry put on Josh Norman? He chokeslammed him. He picked him up and put him on the ground. And granted, that's a cornerback that, you know, I mean, talks a big enough game and sure thinks that he can tackle with the best of them until he gets to a hard-nosed runner like Derrick Henry and he puts him on his behind. So Derrick Henry doesn't run hard, okay? So what? He's a hard-nosed runner. But but Tony, but Tony, he gets a lot of carries. That's where he gets his stats from. All right, why do you think he gets a lot of carries? It's because he is so strong and he runs he, he runs like like a bulldozer. It takes two, three players to bring him down. That's by design he gets 25 carries a game. And by the way, he's kept himself relatively healthy. So he's reliable. He's dependent. He's strong. That's who he is. He's not a speedy, quick guy. He's not a come out of the backfield and, and, and catch 100 passes. There's a reason he gets 25 carries a game. It's because that's the Titans' offense as well. He isn't a pass catcher. He works well with the with the Titans and fits with Ryan Tannehill. What more do you need to see from the guy? By design, he gets 25 carries a game. And he's catching all this flack for what? For what? Because he's not a hard runner? Because you think he's stat padding? I, I, I don't understand the argument. I don't get it. So that means he's not a good NFL running back? Uh, I'm sorry, did the Titans get a win away from the Super Bowl because he's not a good running back? Or, or, or was that because Ryan Tannehill put the team on his back? Mm, I think it's because Derrick Henry was... was <laughs> it's because they rode him 25 times a game into the AFC Championship game. So what's the argument? I, I, I struggle to understand what you're saying. I don't know. It's, it's, listen, he gets his carries because he's strong. He gets his, he's a momentum downhill type runner. Run right through you. Takes a couple guys to bring him down. It's like an Ezekiel Elliott. Is Zeke the fastest guy in the world? No. Does that make him a bad running back? No. Are you mad because of the fantasy points? He, he averages what, two yards per carry or something like that? (laughs) Okay, so he gets 20. I, I don't understand the argument is what I'm saying here. I don't get it. To me, one of the best one of the best running backs in the league. I like the Titans this year after the year they're coming off of. How do you not? I think they could use a little bit of an upgrade at the quarterback position. But other than that, other than that, it's not necessary because they rely on their running back. Another another sort of argument I hear is, well, opposing teams plan for that. Okay, so doesn't that work against you? If opposing teams plan for that, and yet the Titans still run him 20, 25 times a game, what does that tell you? 
that no matter what, Derrick Henry is going to be the guy. He's who the Titans rely on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition here because now I'm starting to get a little heated. Now I'm starting to work myself up. <laughs> There's no argument to me that can be made against Derrick Henry being a good running back. So, just because he's not versatile, just because he doesn't have many different uses, just because he's not a, a Christian McCaffrey come out of the backfield. So he gets 25 carries now and, what, 70 yards a game, 80 yards a game? That's what he had in the AFC Championship. 19 carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Other teams are planning for it, yeah, because that's the offense. Because Derrick Henry carries that much weight and that much volume to the offense. He is that important that teams have to sell out and plan for him. And if you think that's not what they should be doing, well, then that's a Tennessee Titan problem. Pass the ball a little bit more. Okay, well, then make that argument. But don't tell me... That Derrick Henry isn't isn't one of the best running backs in the league just because he doesn't look like he's full out sprinting every time he carries a ball. Like I said, teams are planning for him to get to get the football. So by the time he takes the handoff, the offensive line has been flooded with defenders. The line of scrimmage is flooded with defenders, left and right. There's no chance. The trenches are being won by the defense because they know that Derrick Henry's getting the ball. And he is that important that they sell out to stop him and him alone. You sit here and tell me that Derrick Henry's not a good running back? Whatever. Whatever, man. I don't know what to tell you then. You're you're watching the wrong game, I suppose. Well, like I said, this isn't just a a, a Derrick Henry argument. I'm I'm talking about a couple different running backs here. Because I'm going to use Derrick Henry to sort of transition to the next running back I'd like to talk about. A guy who was just released from his respective organization after being highly touted as a a pro bowler, a potential pro bowler, a a guy who is becoming a superstar in this league, who has become a superstar in this league, and he just got released by the organization that he he was playing for. Of course I'm talking about Le'Veon Bell being released by the New York Jets. Don't begin to tell me, I just did this Derrick Henry argument that he's not a good running back, don't begin to tell me that Le'Veon Bell ain't the same thing. Because something's wrong in New York. Something's wrong for the Jets organization. Don't tell me that it's a Sam Darnold problem. Don't tell me that it's a Le'Veon Bell problem. It's an Adam Gase problem. You and I both know that. You want to tell me it's a Le'Veon Bell problem after he gets released from his next team, who we'll get into in a second here? If he were to get released from that team with a competent coach, then you can tell me that he's lost his step. Then you can tell me that he's still not a superstar. Then you can tell me he's not valuable on your fantasy team. But until that happens, don't tell me because it's a New York thing. Something's up in New York. How do you not figure out how to work with Le'Veon Bell? Sam Darnold is... He has tools in Jamison Crowder. and How do you not figure it out in New York? It's an Adam Gase problem. Let's think about it. They're what, 0-5 now moving forward? If they get the first spot in the draft and Adam Gase is still the coach, what does it matter? What does it matter? Who do you take? This is a New York problem. It's not a Le'Veon Bell problem. 
you have to figure out how to work with Le'Veon and his talent. He sat out that year, that season after the after he didn't get the contract he wanted from the Steelers to prove a point. A point that he felt as though was necessary enough to miss an entire season of football. And you mean to tell me that this is a guy that 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 doesn't work out in New York? He's so what? What, what are you going to argue that he's so toxic to a locker room? I don't think so. I think I think you know he could add a little drama. Who any anybody can in, in the NFL? And you're going to tell me that he him not working out in New York was his fault? No. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. I won't even field arguments because it is such an Adam Gase problem. Le'Veon Bell is going to go to his next team and succeed. No matter what what team he chooses, there's there's three. And it, it, he's going to succeed because none of them are the Jets. Because none of them are the Jets. Let me say that again in a different way. Because none of them are led by Adam Gase. I mean, listen to the press conference of the guy. The guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. He can't form a solid direction. Can't talk in one line. Guy doesn't know what he's doing. Didn't know what he was doing in Miami. He leaves. Ryan Fitzpatrick figures it out for Miami. They just snuff the 49ers out. Granted, they were a little unhealthy. Okay, sure. But they went into San Francisco and blew them out. Adam Gase didn't work when he was in Miami. And now he doesn't work when he's in New York. This is an Adam Gase problem. And no matter where Le'Veon decides to go, he will flourish. There's three teams interested in him, per reports, that he felt as though he could fit in with, and he's fielding offers from, and he's going to eventually decide where he goes. Three teams, Dolphins, who I just mentioned, Chiefs, and the Bills. Best fit for Le'Veon and why? The team I see fit? The Buffalo Bills. Here's why. When I watch the Buffalo Bills, I see them as sort of this hybrid offense that's missing a step. When you're a hybrid, you're a combination of two things, and they're missing one of the things. Here's what I mean. They're a hybrid offense in terms of Josh Allen, who's a mobile quarterback. He can pass the ball, but he can he's also mobile. He runs. He, he has a bunch of rushing touchdowns in his career. He's known for that. This is a hybrid offense that's missing its run game. Its run game right now is Josh Allen. And Devin Singletary, I'd argue. That's that's the order. Josh Allen is a more valuable runner than Devin Singletary. And if Le'Veon decides to sign with them, oh boy. The AFC is going to be put on watch. Because the Buffalo Bills, let me argue, are the most solid team within their division. The AFC East hasn't been this strong in a long time. It's led by the Bills. Who are now four and one, and the Patriots are in second place. Dolphins and then Jets mopping the floor. The janitors. So imagine going from the Jets to the Bills. If Le'Veon Bell succeeds in Buffalo in this same division that the Jets are struggling, that's proof to you that he is just as valuable as he was when he was when he was a Steeler. If he succeeds in this same division and gives this Bills offense an element that I don't think they have right now. An element that I think makes all the difference to their team identity. 
then I tell you what, the Bills are primed for a playoff run. As if they're not already. They're able to succeed without having a solid run game, one that I one that I buy into. I don't buy into Devin Singletary being a number one running back. That adds an element, a dangerous element to the Bills offense. The team that I really don't see fit is the Kansas City Chiefs making a push for him. Why? They're running backs already. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is more of a wild card. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie, give him a chance. I mean, he has he's shown a couple weeks of bursting out of his rookie shell, making a real true impact to the game. And then he's shown a couple games where he's just kind of quiet, kind of sitting back. Kind of not being used to his fullest potential right now. Right now. You know, he's just a rookie. I don't think this would be the right move for the Chiefs to go pick up Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I get what they're going to try to do. But if I were the Chiefs, I'd rather sit and develop Hilaire before I go grab Le'Veon Bell and make him my number one. I got to develop my rookie running back who I just invested in before I go spend money. You can't jump off his bandwagon now. And also, the Miami Dolphins, proven running backs of Miles Gaskin, Matt Breida. Granted, they're not they're not superstar running backs like a Le'Veon Bell is, but I mean it's it's you're making it work. I'm calling it right now, Le'Veon Bell to the Buffalo Bills. That's going to be the best choice for him and Buffalo. If you ask me. So I, I, I want to wrap up that argument here because we have Tony G picks of the week to get here, get to here. But Le'Veon Bell not working in New York was not a Le'Veon Bell thing. That's a New York thing. That's an Adam Gase thing. When, and I don't mean if, I mean when, Sam Darnold is not the man in New York, he will be the man somewhere else. Because it is not a Sam Darnold problem. I hear that argument. I hear that discussion a lot on the uh, sports talk platforms here and Twitter that... Sam Darnold isn't necessarily working out in New York. No, no. It's New York that's not necessarily working out for Sam Darnold. You seen some of the throws the guy's making? The Jets are a wreck. The Jets are a bottom-of-the-pack, janitor-style, mop-bucket team. They're in rebuild mode, and they're in rebuild mode for a reason. Because Adam Gase is their head coach. It's time for a change there, I'll tell you what. And it's not in Sam Darnold. If I were the Jets, I'd act now and I'd act quickly. Send Adam Gase to the road. It's time. Two head coaches have already been fired. It's not even week six in the NFL. Two head coaches already been canned. Logically, logically, it should be three. Adam Gase is wasting Sam Darnold. He just wasted Le'Veon Bell, wasted a lot of money in the Jets organization by not making that work. You ask me, and it's all on Adam Gase and no one else. I mean, did you see, did you watch the draft when each NFL head coach had a camera on them, making their picks on the phone, you know, in front of their spreadsheets? Remember Cliff Kingsbury in, in the nice view? He was all the trend. The same thing for Adam Gase. Where was he at? His kitchen table being about as boring as you could possibly be. He might as well have shown his, his his backyard, shown the the oak tree growing back there. I don't know. 
shown anything but that. Adam Gase has no fire. He has no passion. He's a loop. He's a loop. I don't know what he is. He's a loop. I, I make funnies, but I, in seriousness, what he is is not the answer. He wasn't the answer in Miami, as I stated earlier, and he is not the answer in New York. We'll wrap it up there. Move it on down the line in the Tony G Show. That's right, that music can only mean one thing, and that means Tony G Picks of the Week. No Will McCormick with me today, just riding solo, so let's get into these picks of the week, just Tony G Nation and I. Uh, Before we get into my next set of picks here, let's go through last week's picks. It was the first week that I picked this season, and we all know that I am notorious for being next to perfect in my Tony G Picks of the Week, okay? Just because it hasn't shown that over the course of history doesn't mean it ain't true. I'm very good at picking games, even though I'm not off to the hottest start from last week. Remember, I I, I went 2-2 two two up until Tuesday, then we released an episode of the Tony G Show. But there was still yet a game to be played on that Tuesday because of the coronavirus, and it was Bills-Titans. I had the Bills pick. They got swamped 42-16, so I start the week off, or I start the season off, I should say, 2-3 and three in my Tony G picks of the week, and listen, I'm really liking these next set of picks. I got five more picks coming up, week six in the NFL. I start off 2-3, and three, and remember, there's no Thursday night game tonight because of the coronavirus, everything going on. There's going to be two Monday night football games, so instead of a Thursday, three Sunday, and a Monday night game, I do the Sunday noon game, Sunday 3.30, Sunday night, and then the two on Monday night for my five picks of the week. Let's get right into it. Sunday, noon game, Browns 4-1, Steelers 4-0. I picked the Browns Browns game last week. I picked against them. I had the Colts to beat the Browns last week, and the Browns proved me wrong. That doesn't make any difference for me heading into this pick. I'm going to pick Pittsburgh to win at home against the Steelers. They're 4-0. They have the number one defense in the NFL, and... Look at their offense for a second. The way Ben Roethlisberger is using Chase Claypool, the way he's using Juju Smith-Schuster, even though he's using Claypool more than he uses Smith-Schuster, look at the guys he has to work with, the James Conner. I mean, he is learning to work with this talent and quickly. They're 4-0. They didn't have a preseason, so these first four games kind of were their preseason, and they still won all four. They're only getting better as they go. Big Ben is only working that chemistry up with his young offense, and and I really like them moving forward. I think they're going to beat the Browns this week. So there's my first pick of week six, Tony G picks of the week. I'm picking the Steelers to down the Browns at home. Let's go to a Sunday 3.30 games. There were only two 3.30 games to pick from, so I pick, you know, I always try to pick which one I feel is the best in that time slot, the hardest for me to pick. And out of the two games, this was definitely the best of the bunch. The Green Bay Packers, four and all, Traveling to Tampa Bay after a bye week to face the 3-2 Buccaneers who are coming off a Thursday night loss to Chicago, in Chicago. Both long weeks for each team. The fourth best defense in the Packers. The sixth best defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think this is going to be a defensive showdown with with sights of offense. I mean, there's going to be a big offensive play here for one team, then a big offensive play for the other team. 
and the rest of the game is just going to be defense. I predict a low-scoring game here. So here's what I want to point out before I get into this pick. The Bears really fed Allen Robinson in that win against Tampa Bay. Ten receptions, 90 yards, and the Buccaneers couldn't figure out how to defend him. And with Devontae Adams returning, or he should return, he's been practicing all week, he should get cleared to play here uh, in Tampa Bay this weekend. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to come out with a victory here. That's my second pick. They're going to move to 5-0 and drop the Buccaneers to an even 500 at 3-3. Three three. Let's move on to Sunday night football. The Rams, this is going to be a good game. 4-1 heading to San Francisco to take on the 49ers, who, after they got Jimmy Garoppolo back, Raheem Mostert was in the lineup again, I thought they were going to figure it out a little bit here and look like somewhat of the 49ers last year, even though their defense is still hurt. Listen, they're 2-3. and three. They look bad in a blowout loss to the Dolphins. 43-17 to Miami. I would have never saw that one coming. That that completely blindsided me, that one oh, the lopsided loss to Miami for San Francisco. So moving forward, in this game, the Rams have a top-10 offense and defense. Again, 4-1. I say they head to San Francisco, get the win against the struggling struggling 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't even finish that game. He had to get benched. So the quarterback situation is really up in the air. A hurt defense for San Francisco. They can't figure it out, and I predict they will not figure it out Sunday night against the Rams. Let's get into the two Monday night games. The first one, Chiefs and Bills. Both teams 4-1. Both teams coming off an ugly loss. This was a tough pick for me because I, ha I had the Chiefs dubbed, if you remember from my first from courtside return, episode one of season five, I had the Chiefs in one of my top teams in the league. So I liked the Chiefs before their ugly loss that they just suffered to Oakland. It wasn't that ugly. It wasn't a blowout. They lost 40-32, to 32, I believe the score was off the top of my head here. But nonetheless, it was a loss in a game I expected them to get the win and control the time of possession, control the game, control the flow, and they did none of that. I felt like Andy Reid was trying to do too much with his offense at one point. He is one of the best offensive minds in football. He's shown that over the last couple of years, especially winning a Super Bowl. I think in that loss to Oakland, he tried to do too much. I think they're going to look at the film, game plan a little bit for this AFC rivalry matchup here. Bills, Chiefs, I pick Kansas City to come back and win. And they're going to put the Bills, who started hot 4-0, down to 4-2. That's what I'm predicting. I still like the Bills, though. That's a conversation for a different day. The second Monday night game, Cardinals 3-2 heading to Dallas to face the 2-3 and three Cowboys with no Dak Prescott. Remember that ugly injury he suffered just last week. I think Andy Dalton is a capable backup quarterback. He showed that. He came in, got the win for Dallas last week, and I'm predicting they get more use out of Ezekiel Elliott here because, to me... They aren't using him correctly. Mike McCarthy, Will and I have talked about that in the past, how Mike McCarthy has struggled to use his running backs. And listen, this is a time where Dak Prescott's injured. Mike McCarthy really has to figure out how to use his running backs. He has to utilize Ezekiel Elliott now more than he's ever had to utilize a running back before. This is a season that they're still trying to salvage. They're 2-3. and three. They're in a division that's really bad. They still have a chance at winning this division. So this is on Mike McCarthy to figure out how to use Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm predicting that he will. I don't know much about the Cardinals. I, I feel like I've watched some of their games. You know, we have Red Zone here on campus at St. Norbert, so I've watched some of their play. But I feel like I have no idea what their identity is. So I, listen, this was a tough pick for me, but I'm, I'm going to take, 
I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick to what I know, and I'm going to take Dallas to beat Arizona this week on Monday Night Football. They're at home, so they get a little bit extra of a rest period staying at home. Uh, most of these picks, I think besides the Dallas one, were all favorites. Chiefs are favorited. Rams, Packers, Steelers as well. The one upset that I have here is Dallas taking the cake against the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. That'll do it for Tony G Picks of the Week. The solo edition here, just Tony G Nation and I going through my Picks of the Week. I'm 2-3, and three, looking for another bounce-back week here. We'll see how it goes. Um, next Tuesday's episode, we'll recap. All the games should be done by then, although there is news today on this Thursday when I'm recording this episode that the Atlanta Falcons are now dealing with the coronavirus. So we'll see how games turn out. We'll see how this week goes around the NFL. Listen, you really hope the coronavirus starts to part ways, not just with sports, but with life. I mean, it's taken up everything. This has really been, we've talked about COVID-19 a lot this episode, and I just want to wrap it all up by saying, I hope, from me to you, I hope that that your life is steady and coronavirus-free, and you get to get a sense of normalcy out of life. If it's through sports, you know, we're, we're all struggling with sports Right now, I know on, on campus, I have a good relationship with the athletics department here at St. Norbert College, and no sports on campus until January 1st, and that's the way the entire conference is for St. Norbert and most colleges around the around the world, actually. So, I mean, listen, once, once this all parts ways and we get to live life like normal again, through thick and thin, Tony G and the Tony G Show will be, be here, Will McCormick as well. Will McCormick had to go spend some time with the family, that's always good. Uh, we miss him in the meantime and look forward to his return to the Tony G Show. It should be just this episode he's gone. He should be back next Tuesday. In terms of the flow of the Tony G Show, we're going to keep pumping out episodes as often as we can. Tuesdays, Thursdays, evenings is usually when I get the editing done and I, I get to post it up on Apple and Google Podcasts. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with me. The Tony G Show is here to try to get you through your coronavirus times here in the sporting world. So till next Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you then. Tony G and Tony G Nation. This is the Tony G Show.